1: If you are leading change, building a team, or implementing new procedures, Gonzaga University's Online Master's in Organizational Leadership gives you the tools for success. With concentrations in change, global, and servant leadership, you'll get the most relevant training and education to help you tackle any challenge. Visit gonzaga.edu slash leader and find out how Gonzaga's Organizational Leadership degree can affect positive change in your life and career. That's gonzaga.edu slash leader.
0: This is not a test. This is a broadcast transmission. We're going to stay on the air.
1: And now, and now the weepy,
0: the weepy. our radio show where we kick the issues in the balls. We're on an active war against bullshit. We would do anything and everything to expose bullshit. The end sometimes justify the means. So if you're angry and want the truth exposed, then strap in and prepare to be shocked. This is Smash Mouth Talk. If you can't accept that, then fuck off. I'm your host, Louis B. I takes no crap from nobody. I actually expose the bullshit of society and chop it up into easy to digest chunks for you. Today will not be any different. Today, um... I am honored to have another libertarian on this show. Um, Dave, I have uh, Devin Backlin. He is a candidate for New York City Public Advocate. Devin, how are you doing?
1: Uh fabulously. It's Devin Balkind.
0: Balkind. A oh. lot of
1: people. A lot of different ways to say the name. Balkind. I've never heard that one though. But I'm. I'm, I'm I said
0: Backlin, didn't
1: I? What? Something like that. Oh, sounds my... like a. Sounds like some type of country. Yeah. Maybe an island? Yes. It's, island.
0: Yeah, the the Balkan the Balkans, you know, and uh, former Yugoslavia. Yeah, exactly. There you go. So um, my first question is, what is a public advocate?
1: Uh, well, so the public advocate's a rare, it, it, really only New York has a public advocate. It comes from uh, a history uh, in which the public advocate used to be the president of the city council, hmm. and then they had to restructure the city council. Uh, because of uh, because the U.S. The, the New York City government was ruled unconstitutional mm. in uh, 1989 uh, because it was it didn't have enough proportional representation uh, for its leadership. I could get into that if you want, but basically, what the public advocate's supposed to do mm. uh, is be an ombuds person that holds the government accountable to the people, uh, and that's the and, and the way it's supposed to do that is by organizing information. Uh, if you look, if you read through the city charter that authorizes the, the creation of the public advocate, it's basically a job that, yeah, it's supposed to organize the city's information so the public can understand what's going on and, mm. and provide oversight. The public can provide oversight, the public, uh, the public advocate can provide oversight. Uh, the other roles that the public advocate is supposed to do is basically to co- uh, gather complaints from residents of New York about the city government and to monitor the services. Uh, that the government's providing uh, to the city government. So quite frankly, it's a fabulous position for a libertarian because it's supposed to be oppositional to the government. It's supposed to mm. say to the government, hey, you're doing this wrong, that wrong, and that wrong, and here's how you can save some money. Of course, that's not how things have been playing out in New York City, yeah, where that- you know, the city's controlled by a Democratic Party machine uh, that, let's just say, doesn't have, does, hasn't made the, the, the public advocate particularly oppositional to the mayor or to the existing power structure here.
0: So let me ask this question as, um, as a libertarian living in New York city, um, why is like the the ruling class that, that are, uh, the party that's the ruling class, um, in New York, in New York city Democrats, why haven't, why hasn't anyone noticed how wasteful they are and how not with their interest, there, there.
1: Well, people, people notice it. Even just a, a few days ago, there was a story about um, how you know two billion dollars was being spent on overtime pay that may or may not be necessary. Mm. Uh, you know, the, the city has an eighty-five billion dollar a year expense budget and a fifteen billion dollar a year capital budget. So we're spending about a hundred billion dollars a year. Oh. Um, and uh, you know, it's a big city. It's 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 the nation. I mean, it's a big city. It's a complicated city. And, uh, you know, for all of the progressive talk that uh, the politicians kind of dole out and give out and, you know, display, you know, the real estate industry is still, you know, gets what it wants in this city. Mm. You know, development is is happening. It's happening aggressively. If you compare New York City's approach to development versus a place like California, New York City looks a lot less, uh, looks a lot less, you know. Progressive, quote unquote, uh, than you, you know, than, than California does. I mean, we're we're, we're building a lot here, uh, and so you know, and and our government's you know relatively functional. I mean, it spends a lot of money, it taxes a lot, it spends a lot, but you know, people appreciate that the city is uh, you know it's a big place, it's a complicated place, and and the thing and the thing still runs. And also, you know, one of the biggest issues in New York City is the fact that you know New York City is eight million people. The New York City metro area is like twenty five million people. And those twenty-five million people are spread between three different states, uh, you know, basically Connecticut and New, Northern New Jersey and, and 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 New York and New York City and upstate New York, and um, and so we're politically we're completely politically cut up. We're we're politically divided. If we had a metro regional government, we could have the national political power of a place like California, but we don't. We're all we're all split up, and so New York State dominates New York City politics, and you know exploits uh, you know takes our money and you know invests it and spends it in weird ways. And you know we have to do we have to work with the New York State uh, government to get a lot of stuff done in New York City. For example, you know New York City's subway system is run by New York State. Yeah. And if you look at a map, <laughs> I mean, in fact, New the York, way New York the... City doesn't even look like it should be part of New York State. It no. should be part of New, you know New Jersey or Connecticut. It's crazy. Or, or its so, own or its own state, like uh, Bloomberg tried to do. Yeah, uh, you know, I think that there's a lot of interesting. You know, if we look at yeah. other models for how the borders could be redrawn, if New York City had a metro government. Like a metro area government twenty five million people I mean it would be it would be the big it would be massive I mean it would it could operate at the scale of California, which I think is something that's really interesting uh, of course it's not something that politicians are generally talking about but it, it's an interesting thing to think about and it's also an interesting thing I think that politicians should be talking about it more because if we can work better with you know suburban you know, northern New Jersey and Connecticut, you know we can we should be able to th- you know we need to build a mechanism to kind of bring a little bit more, bring a little competition to the governance question. If, if, if New York state thought that, you know, if New York had 20 years to, to organize a metro area government, we could do it. New York state would treat us a lot different if they thought that they were in a little bit of competition. And so I think there's a lot of, you know, it's an interesting place. It's a dynamic place. I think,
0: yeah, I mean, know, the, uh, as long as
1: the subways are running, people are going to be generally happy. Of course, the subways are getting into some trouble.
0: I actually had Larry Sharp last week on the show. Uh, and we spoke a lot about the subway system, and uh, you know, and also about the MTA. He basically saying he basically said stop, uh, stop tolling these bridges and just like have like private corporations sponsor these bridges, like instead of the Ed Koch Bridge, pro- probably the Porno Hub Bridge.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, listen, so, if you're looking at, we're 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 approaching in the next ten years, we're going to see a whole new set of opportunities when it comes to mobility uh, Mm. transit is transforming. I mean, the subways, New York city's got the oldest subway. It's got the first subway system in the world. It's the oldest, so which makes the oldest subway system in the world. It's also one of the biggest. And it's also one of the only subway systems that's open 24 hours. So, I mean, it's a big, it's a big job when you open, when you're open 24 hours that require that means you're going to have delays no matter what, when you're doing construction. I think that's that's also,
0: that's also because uh, the MTA, they have to, they give, they have to give all their profits or whatever they're earning to the state, to upstate, and then yeah.
1: the, the state- I mean, it's crazy. I yeah. mean, with the fact that upstate is controlling our mass transit system, I mean, it's not like if, if, if upstate, I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense. And so, you know, the problem, you know, there are a lot of problems, you know, when it comes to figuring out how to bring the MTA back into New York City's realm, uh, you know, so that New York, so that the city can control its own mass transit system. Mm. But it's something that I'm surprised there isn't more political consensus about, the politicians don't talk about more. And this isn't, this needs to be on a, this needs to be planned for. Like we need, we we need the subway system back like period.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, but the thing, uh, what, uh, what Larry Sharp was talking about was it's also because the MTA has bloated pension plans.
1: Well, listen, if you want to look at any bureaucracy that any bureaucracy that's operating, basically a monopoly, Mm -hmm. you're going to see bloat, you're going to see waste, fraud, and abuse. You're going to see incompetence. You're going to see, you know, an organization that's operating, uh, you know, often to serve its employees and the people who are getting a paycheck more than it's operating to serve its supposed customers who don't have a choice anyway. You know, right. and so when we when we look at, uh, it's not just the MTA. You know, there's a recognition that we need to that I think is emerging in society, which is that these older institutions that were designed in an era of memos and uh, you know, t- fax machines. You know, when fax machines were high tech. You know, you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, these old institutions are not structured to benefit from the advances in modern information management and communication technologies. I mean, if you were going to design a, a large organization to manage a subway system, if you're going to do that in an era where you know information is being passed on paper versus an era when everyone's having smartphones, mm-hmm. you're going to design two very, very different organizations. And what I think we're seeing in all types of organizations all over the economy, whether they're you – know, I think the for-profits, it's a little – you know they, they're they're a little more responsive but any any organization that's in a monopoly or near monopoly position they aren't that responsive to changes in technology so yeah. they can't benefit from these changes and so they look increasingly uh inept and 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 wasteful because they are in comparison to what anyone can do now with a you know a shared spreadsheet and a smartphone yeah <laughs> so, i mean i i
0: heard this i heard this joke i forgot who said it it's like why the hell do I care about free Wi-Fi in the subway station if I'm, like, if I could just get to where I gotta go real quick, like, if, if, if like, oh man, how did they? It well, go? it's a lot cheaper. It's a lot yeah. cheaper to
1: give people free Wi-Fi so they can keep listening to their music and reading emails and stuff and playing around on Snapchat than it is to get people places faster. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I mean, I'm a big fan of the. I'm, I'm, a, I'm happy they brought the Wi-Fi into the stations. Uh, you know, it's a little. Cool, like that's what most subway systems have. Uh, like I'm not gonna, not yeah, not but it, celebrate but if, that too, uh, too aggressively. Yeah, I mean, but, but if,
0: I, if I could get on the train and get to work under 30 minutes, who gives a crap about Wi-Fi if I'm not going to be standing in the in the station for that long?
1: Listen, it I I agree. Yeah. Uh, and I you know New Yorkers love to complain about the subway. Uh, <laughs> you know I've traveled a lot though, and I have to tell you, New York City subway system is smelly and it's ugly. But the thing runs 24 hours a day, yeah. all the lines, and it's, it's pretty impressive. I mean, you spend time, you know, been to Tokyo, yeah, been to Northern Europe, been mm-hmm. to a lot of places, been to China. Uh, 24 hours is hard to do. It's, it's hard to do. So I got to give them credit that, they, they're, that they're doing 24 hours, uh, and that's about all the credit. And I'm
0: plus getting. you get the free <laughs> – plus the MTA is nice enough to give us free
1: entertainment with Showtime. Huh? Yeah, exactly. And you know, so New Yorkers, you know, New Yorkers know how to turn a uh, less pleasant situation into a slightly more pleasant situation. So you know, you know, yeah, it's it's it's. Just listen, the reason why I want to be public advocate mm-hmm. is that I think that n- what we need. I work in information management. I work in software, mm-hmm. um, often with like large, complicated organizations, and I can tell you if we started mapping out. If, how the MTA spends its money, just hammering them for more transparency, more transparency, more transparency, getting people into kind of the mid-level, getting consultants into the mid-level bureaucratic positions. I'm not talking about like high-end corporate consultants from McKinsey. I'm talking about people who have a a background in uh, open source methodology and how to share information among peers. If we could get people, we could start bringing in... Cons- you know, people who n- know how to do things the new way, start getting information out of the MTA about how, how it's spending the money, how it's doing things, we could build a proposal, not just a proposal, but we could start working collaboratively with the middle management there and with the people who actually get the work done in terms of the management and start helping them just do a better job and figuring out who in the MTA actually wants to do a better job yeah. in middle management. You know what I mean? Like the people who actually not the people who go in front of the press conferences and not the people who sit around the board tables, but the people who actually day to day are moving the information, getting things done. If we can reach those people and help and show them how to use better tools, more efficient tools, how to to just improve their productivity, we're not only are we going to be able to improve the performance of the MTA, we're also going to be able to identify who the leaders of the MTA need to be going forward. And that's the type of work. That's the type of work I I, I do in disaster management. That's the type of work that I'd like to be doing as a public advocate.
0: But what, uh, OK, so what specifically would be the
1: libertarian solution to fix New York City? So, I, I mean, I think that uh, so I'm proposing something that I haven't I haven't started promoting it yet. But, but although if you go on my website, VoteDevin.com, you go to the blog, you'll see it. Something called Big City Libertarianism. And basically, what we the Libertarian Party, third biggest party in the country by far, by far bigger than the Greens, twice the size of the Green Party. Uh, And it doesn't have an urban agenda. It doesn't have policy that really speaks to the concerns of people who live in big cities. You know, over you know maybe like 150 plus million Americans live in big cities, over half the population. So there's a giant, giant market opportunity. There's a giant gap in uh in kind of where the libertarians are getting support. Where if they had an agenda that that could appeal to, to to city residents, they could you know they could grow rapidly. And so what I think that agenda has to be uh is basically accepting the fact that people in cities are opting to pay more in taxes to live in cities. That's just the way it is. Mm. And so this whole like, you know, taxes are theft, you know, maybe they are, maybe they aren't, like <laughs> fun time fun philosophy conversation guys. Like if we want to get power in cities, then we have to accept the fact that yes, yeah, city residents are going to like use more government services are going to be paying more in taxes. That's just the reality and and people in cities are they're more or less fine with that. If they weren't fine with that, they wouldn't be, you know, Democrats, <laughs> right? Um, and so what we need to be is the party of innovation, the party, the party of openness mm-hmm. and, and government transparency and bringing government to the people and allowing the government to work with the public so that the, gov- the, dif- the, 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 the difference between the government and the public kind of uh, dissipates and enable and bring like basically an open source methodology to how governments run. Are you, are you familiar with open source as a thing?
0: Um, only, only when it comes to uh, uh, Linux.
1: Yeah, exactly. So let's imagine Linux is exactly the thing. I'd like to, I'd like to see the Libertarian Party uh, adopt, like, in talk fact, about I'm, a I, lot I, more.
0: In fact, I'm running uh, Linux Mint right now. I mean, I, 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 well, I mean, yeah, dude, I'm on, I'm on Ubuntu. <laughs> ah, well, uh, um, well, Ubuntu to me is just too much bloatware. Yeah, there's a little
1: bit of bloat. Don't yeah, get me wrong. I, I I'm, mean, I'm not, I, I don't, you know, but uh, I run Linux. Oh my gosh, this is about to become a Linux conversation. Yeah, <laughs> I mean,
0: I run Linux. I, I, I'm like, look, I'm not a coder. I, I did it myself, I, I installed it myself because I know how to read. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's just, it's you know how to read, it's,
1: you're not a copy. You, you're not afraid to copy a command and paste it, into a, yeah. paste it into a terminal window.
0: Like, I don't, you know, I know what, if, if something goes wrong, I know how to run a search and see, oh, somebody else
1: solved it already. But, uh, All right, so I will tell you this. Yeah, go
0: ahead. <laughs> Sorry.
1: The, no, Linux is – we need to spread awareness about Linux among libertarians because Linux, within Linux, in so many different ways, is the answer to how we, uh, we win power. How so? And I, I can start going through it. Go so, ahead. A, Linux is about sovereignty, right? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. So we should be expecting – right now, the government – most of the government's job is information management. At the end of the day, they're moving information. They're figuring. They're making decisions. They're figuring out where to spend money, how to do this, how to do that. But a lot of it's information management. Right now, that information has been is being managed by and sold to random, random corporations controlled by who knows who. Maybe Americans, maybe not Americans. Uh, for you know, and they're doing a terrible job. Like our entire our healthcare system is 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 is, is kind of collapsing because we're not our hospitals aren't using computer systems that are that interoperate, and so if we were running on a linux based model for how government runs and how computers you know how our, how the, the the government computers run, then our information would be very very easy to organize and share it would be very easy to say, hey, the government needs to be transparent here's all the well formatted data that comes from standardized free software uh, and we can just we could be able to just pop in and see exactly what's happening within the government you know the other the other thing and so like from a very functional level like right now like new york city's government needs to move from being dependent on windows and microsoft corporation mm-hmm. and have its own linux distribution that it uses for the vast majority of its stuff they should be using it in schools they should be using it in government offices if they it it, it would be faster better and cheaper than these giant microsoft systems that cost tons of money and and and, and bring vendor lock-in and what vendor lock-in is you know, vendor lock-in means it's, it, it costs money to leave a vendor so right now, if the city wanted to change its computer systems, it would take. Not only are they on on contracts that they'd have to wait to expire, but then it would it would take them that have to do a what's called you know they'd have to extract, transfer, and load <laughs> like so much data. Hmm. It would cost so much money for them to like go through this process, and so you know so there's a big cost for them to switch off. So they're basically addicted to like pretty crappy corporate software yeah. that they shouldn't they shouldn't be addicted to. And and the pernicious the worst part of that. Isn't just that you know it's a bad product for you know a high price. It's that it's that to change the software, to change the way the government works, they basically have to ask permission to some random corporation, some random uh, you know, account executive has to be processing requests from the government agencies to it's like, oh hey, we uh, we've reorganized how this department works. Now we need we don't need those fields in the database anymore. We don't need that part of the workflow, we need this part. They have to to, to to make that change, to implement that change in the computer system is something that can't even really happen. It's, it makes it very expensive, very hard to make it happen. And people who are in the government who actually know the changes that need to be made don't have the authority to go to the corporate service provider and change the thing. Mm. And so ultimately what it means is that like our innovation is only uh, – you know, is being restrained. Like our city's in- uh, ability to innovate and save money and do better is being restrained by these like weird contracts that don't make sense to to, to the vast majority of the public. And so, yes, if we had, if we took the open source methodology, if, if we were just using more open source software, things would start getting a little bit more flexible and a little easier. But you know, Linux is also a very complicated. Uh, it's a very very complicated piece of software. It's being used in your Android phone. It's being used on your and my computers. Yep. Uh, it's being used on. You know, the Internet Internet of Things, all these small embedded chipsets, they're all running Linux. Like, Linux is winning, and it's because uh, it's, it's, it's free, and there is a huge community of people who are doing extremely, extremely valuable work uh, for very little money. They're doing it because they want to do it, most of them. I mean, a lot of them are getting paid by corporations now to improve Linux, but that wasn't the way it started. Uh, and so they're doing it because... They, they, and they have a whole kind of peer-to-peer... Uh, production methodology I mean they do things differently than a corporation does stuff, and so we need to look at how the the Linux model the model of peer to peer software development peer to peer peer to peer work peer to peer collaboration uh, allows us to transform the relationship between citizens and government basically and that mm-hmm. and then we got, we can start seeing what a what a more libertarian government looks like looks like it looks like a government that's Open, transparent, and participatory, and that has the that and, and is basically run by the people, not because it has you know a supreme leader who's fallen, you know who's mm-hmm. uh you know magically making all the right decisions, you know, because you he, he was the right person to vote in, but because the public's actually involved in day to day governance. And if we can achieve that vision, then the, even the whole idea of government begins to kind of you know fade away, you know, government becomes governance. You know, in governance, you don't need a coercive force to make people engage in, in the act of governance, of governing themselves. You know, you need people, you need, you need good incentives, you need people to be aligned. But And so we, we can start seeing, you know, if we get more involved in that way, we can start seeing a, a way out of this uh, situation where, yeah, like the, the people who have the monopoly on force, the, pe- the, the government who is allowed legally to coerce us with violence, uh, you know, becomes less and less coercive and becomes and you know kind of begins to f- fade.
0: So, n- quick question. I mean because with with, with Linux, with Linux, it's it, like you said it's an open source there's a huge community like if you have a problem, like I when I had a problem connecting my my uh, computer to, you know, wirelessly, I mm-hmm. researched and boom there was a, you know, they, a there was there was there, yeah, there was a whole bunch of solutions to the to the yeah. answer. But that takes participation from a bunch of people to to have uh developed the answer and, and all that. How will you get I mean and, and not to talk bad about my fellow New Yorkers uh-huh. <laughs> who are either too selfish, too lazy, or too busy to pay attention to the government now. How will you how would you get like people like it's a great Dem- question. Democrats, like Democrats, I, I yeah. have an answer for it.
1: Okay. <laughs> there you go. I, you know, I mean, basically, we need a new type of media. Um, right? There's something taking place in Taiwan right now. It's called V Taiwan. Stands for like Virtual Taiwan. Yeah. Basically, what it is is uh, when their their Occupy movement happened a little later, and it happened, and th- they leveraged their they basically took over parliament, said we're gonna do meetings and we're gonna do stuff better than you're doing it. They literally took over they literally took over the physical building of parliament, told Parliament we're gonna do things better, set up live streams and started debating the issues in Parliament. And the public was so enchanted by this that the public basically like gave them all their support and the Prime Minister and like a lot of people in Taiwan Taiwan's government were like, oh my gosh, we're gonna have to capitulate to these people and let them implement the process that they're doing right now, like within our government. And so that's been happening in Taiwan for about three or four years now. Mm-hmm. And what they've produced is uh, you know, a, 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 a basically uh, something that I, what they've produced is an interactive, they have, they have apps, they have live stream broadcasts with like interactive qualities, um, and they have uh, it facilitated in-person events. And all of these things are designed to allow the public to talk, to address an issue that they care about, whatever it is. So, you know, one of the ones is like Uber regulation, you know, regulating car services, whatever whatever the issue is. Mm-hmm. They're doing lots of them. They're like, "Okay, what's the issue?" And then they they start using a process that they've developed to bring the public in to produce an interesting lot. Yeah, they have live stream. Like I said, they have live stream. It's, it, they have theater brought, they have like theater shows. But they're basically doing all these different things to get the public to give feedback about what they think about this issue. They take all that feedback, they basically they use some algorithm, you know, they 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 collect it in in apps they use some algorithms to display the feedback back to the public so the public understands what the public thinks right now they debate issues they come, they group like-minded people together they come up with proposals and those proposals are kind of what the government gets to then pick and choose from in terms of what it is they want to implement and so what they've done is they've created not just a passive community of consumers of content mm-hmm. but people who are actively producing proposals and solutions and it's and it's become very you know it's become popular it's become an interesting thing for people to spend their time on instead of you know, whatever it is, watching whatever latest TV show it is, some people are like, hey, I can, I see how my opinion, I, how I can go through kind of an enriching experience, it's fun, you know, that's not pretending like it's bo- a boring government meeting, but is instead like an interactive uh, interactive event. And um, and it's uh, taking those, you know, and it's mobilizing them to, like, put a lot of work in to come up with good proposals that they like. And then the public thinks, oh, wow, we're actually, not only are we, be, we're not just being heard, like, we're just a bunch of people yelling at a rally. They're like, we're actually making the policy. And so that, to me, is you know, a much more engaging... I mean, if we had a system like that in New York City, people would be engaged and interested, and you know more people would be, and they'd mobilize more. Um, you know, and They'd get involved more. They'd, just, they'd actually just spend more time on it. And so I think, theoretically, we'd need that process over the course of many years so that we really figure out how to do it right
0: Learn more about
1: how they're helping people connect and share safely at about.fb.com slash safety. Way to spend time. It would be a place where people, like, met up, met their, you know, future hookups or husbands and wives. It would be a place where, you know, people, like, hang out with their friends and get, you know, it would, be a, it would be a, become part of the culture. And I think that that's, you know, the Internet makes that possible. Mm-hmm. We, just, we just haven't seen it happen yet in, in, in the U.S. Um, so and it- we, we should. I mean so like uh would you
0: blame the fact that you know we we uh New York State or oh, well, New York City government is stuck in its old ways blaming why they haven't integrate uh more internet into uh internet for the people like because it just seems like re- like it's only recently that they've uh allowed you to like uh start paying your taxes online and stuff Listen, like.
1: the thing is any bureaucracy that has little competition is going to take a long time to innovate and bring in new technologies, particularly any technology that's going to eliminate jobs. Mm. Right? A lot of these bureaucracies, their job, you know, they, are com- they're, they, are, they exist to make sure they – exi- they, they are filled with people who want to keep their jobs. Right. You know? And so if you're going to – how are you going to advance in a bureaucracy, get the support of your peers in a bureaucracy and become a leader in a bureaucracy if you're the one who's like, cutting the jobs of all the people around you? right mm-hmm. like that's not going to happen so so they're very resistant to change but this isn't something that's unique to new york this is something that is endemic in bureau- big bureaucracies with limited competition no matter where no matter where and how and so it's the public you know if we had people like the public advocate really explaining how the bureaucracy needs to change itself like not like by going up and making speeches about how things need to change but by actually saying like Hey, you know, like in this workflow, like you should really X, Y, and Z should actually be in A and B. And like, oh, you know, I saw in your contract that you're paying this much money for payment processing. Well, you could be paying fifty percent less if you used this provider and this system and made it easy online. You know, (laughs) and so what we need is we need that type of renegade consultancy going into government and figuring out where the opportunities are. Uh, Because if not, or because you know, without that. The people who want to do the reform in these in these bureaucracies and in these agencies, you know, they just don't they don't have the political support internally to get to get the stuff done that they know needs to get done done because they you know, because yeah, people want to keep their jobs and they don't want to change the, the work that they do. You know, even in even in corporate America, which has a huge mm-hmm. you know incentive to like to to, to in, increase the bottom line and cut costs, you know, they hire consultants, they hire outside consultants all the time, not to come up with new ideas. You know that they never thought of, but to create a political opportunity that allows them to make changes within their organization. you know they don't hire the cons- they, they know when they hire consultants to kind of downsize a bit you know to to figure out who's you know expendable in a business um, you know who they can who, the, who you know who how to restructure you know who to fire you know, a lot of these corporations they know what they want to do. they know what the restructuring should look like, but by making but by pushing the responsibility of the consultants to say it, then they get to say, hey, I don't want to do this, but the consultants say you know say it's the best thing to do, and like the board says that we need to do listen to the consultants, and so you know, and that's how they get shit done stuff. That's how they get stuff done. Beep. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I mean, I think that we need to bring that attitude. We need to bring that type of. We, we need to bring an open source methodology to basically to all this stuff. And that's how we're going to get – that's how we're going to get results. Without an open source methodology, we're not going to get – we're not going to be able to reform the bureaucracy, period. All right. Uh, do I you, haven't seen a you – know,
0: do, you, do you think that there's too many regulations when it comes to doing business
1: in New York City? Not, not only are there too many regulations, mm-hmm. uh, w- of which there are – yes, way too many. <laughs> but the regulations are opaque. And so one of the things my campaign did, uh, you know, we, we, we built a little – like a really – Little website, laws.votedevin.com. And it's we took the administrative code of the city and the charter of the city and put it into kind of a standard open source document management, uh, like, a, like a, a, a docs viewer. It's called Read the Docs. It's what a lot of open source software projects use to mm-hmm. just put up their documentation. Uh, because I was looking for you know the administrative code in the city which is the code that explains like all of the different functions, you know, all the different things that the agency is supposed to do, couldn't find it. Couldn't find it in a format that that allowed me to, to copy a URL, you know, and paste the URL and then have someone else go to that same page. Instead, it's in these weird old systems that don't make any sense. And so when it comes to regulation, you know, step one, yes, in, first of all, in general, there's just too much regulation, it doesn't make sense. Step two, you know, recognizing that's important. But step mm-hmm. two is recognizing that we need to make it really, really easy to understand what regulation exists, why it exists, and allow the public to express whether or not they think it should should still exist. Yeah. And this is something – when I think of how to do that, like I think of SimCity. You ever play SimCity? Uh, oh, uh, um, no. <laughs> no. Uh, well, it's a great – I, I highly recommend SimCity as a video game, if you, especially if you're interested in like urban politics. Uh, there's also, there's kind of like a knockoff version that's available on, on, um, on, uh, Steam mm. called Cities Skyline, which is also good. But, but what's so amazing about these games is that they provide an interface. You see a visual interface that explains to you how a city's working in real time. And, you know, you're managing the city and of course the city's virtual, but it actually, they have a lot of good ideas in those games about how, uh, you know, like how to, ex- how to explain what's happening in a city to, to the public. And so one of the things they have is like a checklist for all the ordinances that, that exist, basically all the regulations that exist in the city. And you hover over one of these items on the checklist and it's like, okay, this is the reason why this thing exists. This is how much it costs. This is the benefits, this is the cost, this is the reasoning, click it on, click it off. How hard would it be for us to literally just take all of the regulations in New York City, there are a lot of them, but like we have computers, it's cool, we can figure out how to do this. Take all the regulations, make a giant checklist, Using that same type of design, and then ask New Yorkers to just say what they think should be on and what they should be and what should be off. Let them go. Let them click. Let them submit it, and then we'll have some numbers. We'll have some feedback from the public, being like, "Oh yeah, maybe the cabaret law is a terrible idea. Maybe people should be allowed to dance in bars, particularly considering that people are dancing in bars all over the city, right?" Like, uh, you know. And so we can do things like the public <laughs> advocate should be doing things like that, making those little checklists and then prompting the public to give some feedback. Uh, and if we did we'd have a really powerful weapon in our fight against stupid regulations that don't make any sense and that just are, are just on the books because people are too because people don't know they exist they're too lazy to you know because we're too lazy to change them as a society we're too lazy to update them
0: yeah but the thing is we have all these politicians that are always promising oh well we're going to create jobs we're going to make uh make, you know make it uh very hospitable for to, for businesses to bring jobs here but wouldn't wouldn't it be in their best interest to get rid of a lot of these worthless um you know job killing and also you know expensive expense causing regulations so that way more businesses sprout up or or current businesses make more money and and you know let's face it pay more, of, of pay course. more I mean, taxes this is, this is
1: you're, but you're being you know you're being rational right now so. oh, right? sorry is, that's a that's a rational argument uh, <laughs> sorry i didn't mean don't don't mean to be
0: rational on this show. Yeah, yeah yeah
1: so i mean <laughs> you know you have to right now like the political class is stuck in you know we 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 exist in a representative democracy mm-hmm. where people are getting elected to kind of every four years to then go off and do what they think should be done if we were living in a more like a, in, in a direct democracy, in a participatory democracy where the public is constantly being polled, right, is constantly being asked what they think it should be done, and, 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 and the government, and the system, and the politicians are basically subservient to, subordinate to the outcomes mm-hmm. that, uh, that, that, that the public, you know, kind of like uh, you know, that the public's expressing, <coughs> then a lot of the, like the existing politicians, they won't want to be politicians anymore. That's not a job they want. They want to be people who are getting elected to, like, quote-unquote, solve problems, theoretically. Of course, they're not really solving many of these problems, but they're the type of people who can get elected to, like, quote-unquote, solve the problems. They don't want to be facilitators who actually just perform what the public expresses its will to be. And so, yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, they're like, yeah, we're going to do all this stuff always. We're always going to do this stuff, and it's always kind of the same stuff. We're going to ensure every kid has a great education. We're going to... You know, make sure everyone has a good job. We're gonna do... not, and, but this stuff never is, happens, right? Is, I mean... really and then they use this language choice. like we're kids. Yeah. Like, oh, you're going to ensure every kid has a good education on day one? That's language they use. I want to – like on day two, I want to be like, wow, I don't believe anything you say because you said you were going to ensure, you know, 1.2 million New York City kids are going to have a good education. And on day two, you didn't do it. You said you were going to do it on day one, you know? Like they talk to us like we're kids. They talk to us like we, we don't – we're not using li- – we're not, we're not prepared to hear the truth. And the truth is that we have giant bureaucracies that are very hard to hold to account, that the mayor can't you know, restrain, you know, that the mayor doesn't even have that much control over, and that, and, and that we, they haven't figured out how to reform these big institutions mm-hmm. to get the type of results and performance that is available in a lot of you – know, that, that we're seeing an increasingly emerge in our smartphones from the companies that are producing apps on our smartphones. And so they don't want to they, – they can't – they don't know what the solution is and the solution i really truly believe is open source open source methodology but they don't they don't know that they don't express that they don't really understand that and so they're you know they're just playing the same old you know they're just doing what works you know if you do if you do ab ad testing you know, if you do ad testing on your on 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 what it is what words work to get people to click on a thing like you see it's like oh these words work so they're just they're just kind of going through and using the same words doing the same old stuff you know pretty much over and over again and and they get the result and the results that they get are that they keep getting elected and so until we really change the way we gotta
0: tax the one the one uh, one one-fourth percent and we're gonna give you all that money
1: yeah yeah we're gonna take we're gonna we're gonna tax that was rich people more so that they don't Yeah, we're gonna tax rich people more so that even more of them you know don't want to like have a, a primary residence in new york and then we're gonna give this money to an institution that has proven itself to be terrible at managing money and producing a product at a, a decent product at a low price. Yeah. I mean <laughs> that, that's right? the one. I mean, that's thing... what that's what they're saying. Yeah. And so, you know, at a certain lodge, in a certain way it makes sense. Like I would like to see listen, there are a lot of rich people in New York City mm. and I would like to see the MTA improve. Yeah. Like I I want a better subway. And and it makes and it makes sense that rich people who you know, rich like it makes sense to give the public, everybody, a better mass transit system by inconveniencing a few rich people you know like that that I understand that logic um, I, I, but you know that stuff is kicking the can down the road and the road is yeah. significant bureaucratic reform and you know and they don't know how to do it and so they kind of ignore it and they throw money at it hmm
0: all right i mean i personally don't i mean i i get you know again i'm being i'm being <laughs> uh i'm being rational here sorry uh <laughs> you know it, you know, you want to make it hospitable for people to be here, like both rich and middle class um, and poor people. You yeah, know?
1: I mean, they listen, I, you know, poor folks do. I mean, it's everybody it should be everybody. You know, they're, they're, people talk about the right to the city, you know, and mm. I'm, you know, I grew up in Manhattan. I was born in Manhattan, you know, and I, it, you know, and let, I let me let me guess. Mean, grew, che- Chelsea? Up, don't get me wrong, Chelsea. Chelsea. Huh? What was that? Are you a Chelsea kid? I, I grew up on the Upper West Side. Oh, oh, look at you. Yeah, yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to pretend like I, I'm not I'm, not, I'm oh, like pulling look myself up on my bootstraps. Here. Look look at you, <laughs> you know look, what I mean? Look, look how like, hoity-toity you
0: are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where's
1: <laughs> my I'm from I'm from i like I I made my cold brew iced coffee myself.
0: So oh, oh, look so like, at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Cold self, brew. self self I'm a self-reliant individualist over here.
0: I drink <laughs> I drink water like a like a homeless Okay. No. <laughs> I'm born and ra- I'm a born and raised Williamsburg
1: Brooklyn boy. Be- before oh, yeah. it was before it got gentrified. We- yeah, yeah, for sure. My uh yeah, I got friends who were born and raised in Williamsburg too. Mm. Um but anyway, I mean, you know, when you're from New York, like like if you're born here, like I don't think you should be, you know, like I understand the right to the city concept. Mm-hmm. And I and I and you know, and as a libertarian, this is where, you know, I think big city libertarianism becomes important. Uh, you know, we, we like people should be able to stay stick, stick around in New York. Like it shouldn't you shouldn't have to work for a Fortune five hundred company, you know, to be able to live in the place that you grew up, you know. And so, like I, you know, I I believe that it's a big place. Building buildings is possible. It's something that people do all the time, you know. And so, you know, when it comes to affordable housing, which you know, if I can pivot to that a bit, because um, you know that's something that they talk about all the time in the uh, you know the debates and all that. You know, one of the things they don't talk about, you know, the, the way that they're building affordable housing is they're giving they're basically giving huge tax incentives to real estate developers through very convoluted processes that both raise the cost like that make it difficult for people who don't develop buildings in, in New York to develop buildings in New York, right? Because they just don't know the weird bureaucratic process to get those subsidies. Um and, and ultimately it's just the city giving money to big real estate corporations. What if now, I'm not propose- I'm not saying that this is the answer, but I'm saying like the type of thing that we should be considering is, you know, vouchers for people who grew up in New York City, <laughs> you know, instead of giving all this money to big real estate companies to build buildings, why don't we give people in New York who grew up here Vouchers so that they can just so they they have a their, so that their housing can be subsidized so that Russian oligarchs and, and Chinese millionaires and whatnot who are buying up all this real estate and pushing up prices plus every you know bored Midwestern kid who wants to like work hard you know doesn't mean that they have to move to wherever Baltimore or something you know like there's there's we're not even even the progressives who you would think would be interested in that type of idea you know they're they're not even thinking about that type of stuff and like that's a that to me. Seems like the type of solution, you know, like a basic income style concept, that at least should be in the public discourse when we talk about affordable housing. Which maybe you know libertarians don't spend that much time talking about affordable housing. Everybody else is talking about affordable housing all the time in in the in this political process. And so I think you know we need we need new ideas and we need ideas that are inexpensive, you know, to implement to administer. I have you know there's a company that gives you know the, the you, can give, you could give every New Yorker a prepaid debit card and just, through a computer program, deposit cash on it. I mean, you could do it through their phone number, phones, too. Mm. But like, instead, we have these giant bureaucratic, you know, offices that use fax machines <laughs> to give people benefits. Oh, I mean, you start getting into the benefits and the service provisioning in the city, and it's, I mean, it's old school.
0: And I it mean, costs but a it,
1: lot of money, and it's really inefficient, and people suffer because of it.
0: Right. Yeah, but shouldn't, shouldn't we get be trying to get people off of it? Like, I mean, I read— oh, definitely. Don't I get me wrong. That, we I should read, definitely
1: be trying to get people off of yeah, it. Yeah,
0: because I read a lot—I read uh, some articles that a lot of municipalities, they're switching uh, from welfare to workfare, and what they've noticed is when people have to work for their benefits, they get off as quickly as possible they they yeah. end, they end up finding themselves gainful employment
1: i mean you, you know even yeah you know i in general i i agree i think there are there's certain people honestly a lot of people you just don't want in the workforce quite frankly like it's better, it gets better they will do more harm in the workforce gumming up the work stopping things from being efficient you know like being upset like being upset like getting you know getting injured blah 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 a lot of people you just that just better better just pay, pay them up. Just make sure that they, they're, they're okay. You know, I mean, this idea that we were you know, especially as automation is beginning to kind of, we're, we're at the, we're at the dawn of like real serious automation. Yeah. You know, we're at the dawn of like the drive, like the biggest professions in the, in the country, drivers, food service, you know, becoming, I don't, I
0: really don't trust them driverless cars.
1: All right, well, all know, right. the, the, well, one thing that will make you trust them more is that they're you know they're running Linux. <laughs> they're going to be running Linux systems. It's not like they're going to be running Microsoft. You know, some like weird other thing. Like they're going to be running yeah, but Linux. Open Linux could still cra- Linux but still the,
0: crashes out. Linux could still be hacked.
1: Well, they have another problem. The real the real argument for driverless cars uh, is that maybe maybe fifty to sixty thousand people a year die in accidents right now. Yeah. And so the only thing they have to do with the driverless car stuff is improve that by, you know, a factor of two. And the already, just even now, my understanding is they're already, if they scaled out driverless cars, you know, they're improving it by a factor. You're going to have significantly less deaths already. And so they're going to get, it's going to get, it's going to get to a point, like they're, they're going to be able to reduce the amount of road deaths by a factor of 10 you know, by the time driverless cars become, I don't like, know, I don't know, this is, the, the we
0: start letting the, we start letting SkyMed, uh, uh, infiltrate more and more of our world, man, you know, we're, we're just, uh, listen, I trouble. mean,
1: I, I hear you. I, I mean, you know, right now, you know, a lot of these airplanes, these airplanes are basically, you know, using like advanced autopilots that are even, you know, they're doing landings, they're doing all this stuff. Hmm. So, you know, the thing is, is technology is here to stay. Yeah. Uh, people love it. <laughs> you know, we like to complain about it. We like to talk about it. But people love the benefits, and what 's really scary to me uh, is that so few people in government are technologists understand technology, understand where it 's going, and so they're they're going to make terrible terrible decisions about technology when they don't you know that they com- can 't comprehend you know, they can 't comprehend a lot of this stuff you know are, are, so so who is going to the idea that these leaders, without any technical experience some of these people don 't even have computers you know don't you know don't really use email you know uh these people are going to be making complicated policy decisions about autonomous cars like like it's a bad idea so we need to you know one of the reasons why i'm running is i really want to encourage technologists and people understand technology to start running for office because if not i mean we're gonna have we're gonna be we're gonna have a bunch of folks who just really don't understand the next frontier of regulation making bad bad regulations that don't make any sense and hurt people and so, you know, uh, I don't know how we got to this topic exactly. Right. Oh, I remember, because ah. of jobs. Yeah, yes. so we need to, we need to. I would say because of, yes, because in the next five to ten years, food service is going to take a big hit. There are going to be a lot less food service jobs. There are going to be a lot less drive, driving jobs, jobs mm-hmm. that involve driving. These are two of the biggest employment types of jobs in the country. And so we are going to have to explore how, to make sure everyone's getting basic services, uh, if they don't have a job, I mean, and 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 they're happy. I mean, right. you want to you want to you want to you want an apocalyptic vision. I'll tell you, you know, having hundreds of thousands of truckers losing their jobs, you know, like what do you think happens in that type of circumstance? Like the the, the, the <laughs> I can tell you, like it's not like it's social unrest in a way that. Like, not the fun, not, not like, I mean, it's, it's social unrest. And so the system's needed to make sure folks are happy with this next set of, uh, not, not just that folks are happy, but, you know, we, we look at, a, like, you look at Linux, no one owns Linux. Actually, not, it's not that no one owns Linux. We all own Linux. Every right. individual owns the Linux software that, they, that they've deployed. They own it. It's legally theirs. That's billions and billions and billions of dollars of intellectual property that they actually own. So, in that regard, we should all be pretty pretty darn rich because we own because there 's this massive information commons there 's this massive amount of free technology that exists that 's worth huge amounts of money and it 's not worth money because uh... you know i 'll pay you 'll some people pay a thirty dollar monthly fee to access it it 's worth that money because that 's how much time it took how much skilled engineering work it took to produce something that 's actually just straight up valuable and so you know we need to start looking at this technology stuff as 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 the you know like like the open source community is building technology that everyone owns, and so it's not that like people have a, it's, i'm not saying that people have a right to technology and that that's like a government enforced right like this is a, a practical right this is the reality and the reality is that anything that's open source is owned by everybody, and if people knew how to leverage open source use open source to their benefit, then everyone would be really rich and I think that's we need to we need to our end game our our goal needs to be people feeling like There's an abundance of resources like that. That they've got what they need, that they're happy, and they can pursue self actualization.
0: All right, all <laughs> right. So, uh, let, let's uh, close this out. But, uh, final question uh, What's your thought on uh,
1: prop two? Which one is that the uh, Constitu- Is that the con con? Yeah, Whew. Uh, I mean, I'm for the con con, I understand why people are against it. I mean, the main, main reason I'm for, I mean, first of all. All the politicians are against it. All the electeds are against it. So you know it's got to be a good idea. You know some of the some of my least favorite organizations are against it. And so you know, I like more democracy.
0: I don't. I, I think, don't like the I, fact that the the um a lot of the uh, uh, um unions are in it.
1: Are, well, they're against for, it.
0: No, no, they're for
1: it. Like, oh no, they're most the I think the vast majority of unions are against it. Thirty-two BJ's for it okay that's interesting yeah i haven't i haven't I haven't i know a lot of the unions are against it because they 're afraid that it'll, it'll like give the opportunity for their pensions to get defunded hmm. um, but you know, yeah, if you look at the thing is this is the the, the tragedy is that and i understand... the, the tragedy is that n- New Yorkers don't have faith in democratic processes that democratic processes will actually get to positive outcomes because we've been you know we've been tricked so many times, you know, right. and so people don't want it because they're afraid that you know on, on people on the left are afraid that you know people on the right are going to get a lot of power people on the right are afraid that people on the left are going to get a lot of power the folks aren't trusting each other and we don't have a public consultation we don't have, we haven't had experiences of democracy that are really empowering and so people don't want it normally i think it would be a great idea to have constitutional conventions all the time mm. you know if the public were educated like that 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 public consult if we had a v taiwan style process in new york okay. where people actually understood you know, felt like, like, understood how they could work with each other to get the results that they want, you know, then I think people would be much more interested in this convention, and I'd be much, I'd be more interested in it, and I think everybody would be more interested in it, because it would be a great opportunity for us to reform New York State, which, in some rankings, is, is, is is one of the most corrupt states in the union. Why are we putting up with a, such a corrupt, system? you know, I mean, there are a lot of corrupt states in the union. I think New York, I think New York State has had more elected officials, put in jail for corruption than any other state. You can't quote me on that, but Mm -hmm. I'm I'm pretty sure I read that. I mean, it's corrupt. It's really corrupt. And it's obvious why, you know, there's a lot of reasons why it's corrupt, but one of them is because, you know, New York City's a cash cow, and the state's run out of Albany, you know? And so I would love to think that if we had an opportunity to do a constitutional convention, that uh, that we would be able to improve things. I think we'd be able to improve them, just because things are not good now. And so any... I think we would be able to, to to do well so that's 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 why i support it
0: all alrighty so dave uh, Dev, uh dave oh my god devin that's happens to me all the time sorry <laughs> devin i'd uh, like to thank you for coming on please please if you're in the New york city area vote for devin for uh and uh new york city public advocate on November seventh if you want more if you want to know more go to twitter.com dot com slash devin uh all kind
1: both kinds. It's tough. It's tough. It's weird. It's weird stuff. And let me also say, you know, yeah. votedevin.com, that's my website. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the stuff, you know, I, I didn't get to talk to, to, to talk about it. I've actually built most, like, a lot of the things I mentioned here. I mean, oh. some of the things I, I've i built. If you go to votedevin.com slash tools, you'll see we built a thing called nyspeaks.org, which is the, the, the a, a software application that replicates the, what's happening in Taiwan mm. for New York City. We built uh, projects.votedevin.com where that has the entire capital budget that's been scraped off of these big PDF files, put into a database so it's searchable and people can add comments to it. Mm. We, we built services.votedevin.com, which is a web app to show you what government services are available using like filters and maps and stuff. It's better than anything the government's got going on. And we built laws.votedevin.com so you can see the laws, uh, you can see the administrative code and the charter in a format that isn't that that that's like usable, right. um, and so we've just we're just building stuff over here. You know, that's what I've been hoping. That's how I've been hoping to promote the campaign. I'd say that the the press has not been as enthusiastic about my approach as I would like. But yeah, we just build stuff. I mean, that's at the end of the day, we're gonna have to produce our way out of all these problems. You know, we can't complain our way out of all these problems. And so yeah, we're just sitting around building building better solutions, building alternatives. Uh, that's what we do. Vote, vote, yeah, vote Devin.com, D-E-V-I-N.com.
0: Definitely. All right. Thank, you. Uh, thank you, Devin, for coming on. I would like to thank everyone for listening to today's show, and uh, thank you for listening. As always, from my house to your house. My Thanks so much, Louis. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thanks. And yeah, Dubai show, donk.